Entrepreneurs Over 40, episode 43, featuring Brian Lifshitz talking about branding. We scour the internet for influencers, and they're called nano and micro influencers, meaning that they're generally about uh, 50,000 followers and less, but most of them are about 25,000 and less. And we get phenomenal, phenomenal engagement. You're listening to Entrepreneurs Over 40, the show for somewhat mature entrepreneurs and side hustlers. And now your host, Greg Mills. Our guest today has over 25 years experience as a marketing, branding, and visual communication expert. He's performed live on stage at Jester's Improv and been honored by the mayor of Phoenix as most valuable Phoenician for heroic actions taken. He's an entrepreneur and inventor who owns businesses in marketing, logistics, and product development. He's an e-commerce seller and has three private label brands, one of which went viral a few times, totaling over 101 million video views. He co-founded Alamari Media in 2010 as a brand-driven creative agency, helping your brand be seen, heard, and remembered. They're all about drawing attention to brands. He resides in Phoenix, Arizona, and is married to his college sweetheart, has two amazing daughters, and a Scotty rescue dog. Without further ado, Brian Lifshitz. All right. How you doing today? I'm doing well. Brian, can you take a few moments and fill in the gaps from that intro and bring us up to speed with what's going on in your world today? Yeah. Um, my whole life, uh, I'm all about creativity, ideas, and ultimately it's led to branding. Uh, back in the 80s and 90s, I didn't know much about branding. I didn't know much about marketing and advertising. Um, But something drew me to brands, Coca-Cola, Nike, Adidas, um, Reebok, and, you know, some of the local brands from Southern California where I grew up, a lot of the surfwear. And I don't know, I guess it's just something that's naturally uh, uh, born into me. And ever since I was a young kid, it's something I've just absolutely loved, Uh, watching commercials and you know, anybody kind of doing guerrilla marketing or anything about their brand to draw attention. And it wasn't until kind of my professional life where I kind of went, oh, okay, this is what I know. This is what I like. This is my passion. Um, And when I talk to people about it, it seems to be so easy to talk that, you know, they can see the passion in me. Um, I grew up in Southern California, as I said, um, I'm actually, I'm from South Africa. I was born there. I came to the States in 1980. Uh, my father was in the diamond industry. And with that, um, you know, we learned a lot about what I call the old school business mentality, shaking hands. Um, and actually, I talk about that all the time with my family, um, you know, how we do deals these days and watching my father doing deals across a desk, shaking a hand. Uh, with wads of money and, and uh, you know, trading diamonds. And um, the, the rest is really history. It's, it's a lot to do with my dad in the sense that he's always loved computers since the 70s. And he bought us our first computers back in the day. And that's where I used to dabble. Um, I used to dabble on a program called Print Shop Pro. Um, before I knew what a graphic artist was, again, before I knew about marketing and advertising, um, that's where I started dabbling in design and, and kind of learning about computers and understanding them and playing and having fun. Um, 
went off to college, got a degree in, in graphic design and visual communication from the University of Arizona, um, spent the first, I guess, maybe five, six, seven years of my career in the corporate life um, in a number of different industries, always doing marketing and advertising. And then ultimately in 2007 and nine, got laid off two times in Phoenix due to the housing market. And I always knew I wanted to own my own business. I just didn't know what, when, and where. And in 2009 is when we kind of came up with the idea that, hey, let's take everything that I know and see what we can do with it. And that's when Alamari Media was born. And we've been in business now 12, 13 years. We worked with over 400 brands. We've developed over 50 different brands and continue to do that today. Now, Alamari Media, did that predate the piggyback rider or was that after? Uh, so kind of around the same time. So I formed Alamari Media. My brothers and I, um, we, we had kids. We had eight kids between the three of us. The two of them are older than me. So they had their kids first. And the piggyback rider is a, an invention my brothers and I created to carry toddlers around. So prior to me starting my business, we were dabbling. We were talking about the idea, talking about what do we want to do. And then kind of in the time where we decided we wanted to do something with it and bring it to market, um, Alamari was around. And so Alamari was the creative driving force behind Piggyback Rider. Now, was that your first brand that you brought to, to life, so to speak? On my own, yes. Like our own brand. Uh, when I worked in corporate life, I worked for a company where we had, you know, different brands that we did and um, brands within brands within brands. So I understood it. I didn't know everything. But again, kind of that leap of faith of um, my brothers and I being a bit competitive and kind of saying, well, um, I think I know better than you. And so even in, even in the prototyping phase, uh, one of my brothers made the prototype and then the other two of us try to make it better. Right. And so we kind of kept going back and forth uh, and, and working together remotely. You know, we, we were in three different time zones in three different states. And that was for the first five years of that business. So, um, you know, that's the closest we got to or the closest I got to to working on our own brand. But actually before that, a quick funny story here, uh, or I find it interesting uh, about the year before we launched Piggyback Rider and we knew we wanted to do that. My older brother and I were working on another product, uh, which was predating kind of the cell phones. You could take notes on it. Um, a magnetic uh, re, uh, rewritable, reusable list that you put on your refrigerator or wherever that allows it to be branded by other companies. Thus, when you write your grocery list, um, you know you take it with you, you know what it is, it can snap to the cart, your purse or your wrist. Kind of funny, but we were having fun with it. Uh, why I say this is we went to a trade show in Vegas and who was at the trade show? Um, uh, Billy Mays and Danny Sullivan from the pitch guys. And they actually, we, we got to pitch to them uh, and they talked to us about the product, which is kind of that first time my brother and I took our own brand, our own product and got to talk to somebody about it. Um, at the same time, actually the Jay Leno show was there filming one of his segments. I believe it was called Made in America. And he, you know, he asks the audience thumbs up or down whether you like the product. And um, so ultimately we got on the Jay Leno show because of being at that, sh at that event, Jay Leno actually set our name on TV along with our product. And at that same time is, is when we kind of were working on the piggyback rider, 
So my older brother and I, my eldest brother and I, excuse me, we, we looked at the piggyback rider and we looked at the wrist list and we said, which one should we spend our time on? And we kind of went, meh, let's go to the piggyback rider. We feel like that one's a little bit better. And so that's where we dumped this, this one product. So that maybe was the first product. Um, piggyback rider was the second, you know, one that we brought to market. You said that you had a, a, a background in branding, but how did you know, or you and your brothers know how to make a product and take the next step per se? We didn't, we had no idea what we were doing. Um, I had the most experience just based on my, uh, professional background and the, uh, corporate jobs that I had in working with other people, um, who were bringing products to market and we were, you know, doing a, a small portion of that project for them, whether it was creating a brand or doing manuals or websites or what have you. Um, and so that really was the first, uh, foray into it. Um, but yeah, I, I'll end there. I don't want to go in too deep. Well, I'll, I'll say this with 101 million video views of the piggyback rider, you did something right. Um, yeah. So the piggyback rider is the world's first and only standing child carrier. Uh, my brothers and I had eight kids between us and we wanted to do more with them. Um, and more being yard work, housework. It wasn't even really hiking ultimately based on my brothers being competitive with each other. We realized this was a year round go everywhere type of product. Um, thus the piggyback rider was born. Um, when we launched the product, I think it was in year three, four, five, uh, thanks to Facebook, um, about seven photos of ours went viral on a, on a specific page on Facebook. However, they never tagged us. So we got, you know, we got visibility, but we didn't get any profitability off of that. That's when I kind of had this gut feeling, uh, over the next year and a half. And I said, Hey, I, I feel like we're going to go viral. I feel like something's going to happen. I don't know when, I don't know how, and I don't even know why I was thinking that. And um, all of a sudden in 2017, uh, excuse me, 2016 is when my dad and I were working on the business. And I said, hey, let's get everything, you know, short up on the back end in case we have lots of orders come in. I've got a gut feeling. Um, and in 2017 is when we partnered with a page on Facebook that has to do with inventions. They had about 1.8 million followers um, at the time. Uh, the big conglomerate that owns them is Business Insider. And so they reached out and said, hey, we saw your product. Uh, can we make a video about it so we can put it on our page? And, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to say that, you know, I, I, I've been around before the internet. And so I don't need social media in my life, but I also understand the benefits of social media. And so I just said, hey, something's going to happen at some point. We got to be ready. And we partnered with this company. They took my home videos. I'm still old enough to say home videos, but my cell phone videos of me and my kids at the Phoenix Zoo. Um, and they spliced it together and they made about a 45 second video and they put it on their uh, Facebook page, May 12th, 2017. And it got 10 million views on day one. Wow. It got another 10 million views on day two, another 10 million views on day three. So that was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, by the end of the weekend, uh, we already, excuse me, by the end of like that Wednesday, we had already sold out of all the products we had in Amazon, in our warehouse, we had to air freight product from China. Uh, and we were, you know, chickens with our heads cut off. We didn't know what was happening. We didn't know what was going on. Um, it was amazing. It was awesome. It was 
a little bit of luck, but it's the right product on the right channel on the right day at the right time. And there's no way, there's no way to plan that out. And when I said I knew we were going viral, I didn't know how. I just kind of had this feeling that, you know, every time we posted stuff, it was interesting to see what people were saying about our product. And that's where when it went viral, fortunately, unfortunately, uh, in the videos, my daughters and my nephew that I was carrying actually a little bit bigger than what we would want a user to do with our product. And I think that's actually what got it over the, the edge because there was, if I remember correctly, there were 1 million shares on that video, okay? Which is crazy, over 100,000 comments. And what it was, was all the people who love inventions were sharing it with their friends and family. It didn't mean they were buying our product, they were sharing it. And uh, at the end of the day, we now have over 61 million views on that one video. That video led about 70 other partners uh, internet partners to say, Hey, we want to make videos. We see this viral, you know, videos thing happening. Um, and so then they made videos and then they put them out and that's what got us about another 40 million views, which equals the over a hundred million video views on the product today. Um, and that's not everything that I told you. Cause we went viral on Instagram a year later. Uh, and then other crazy stuff happened, but we can fill that in, in a minute or two. I don't want to give away all the magic. It sounds like your family is really important to you, not only your immediate family, you know, or your, excuse me, your wife and daughters, but also your brothers. And it sounds like your dad has really helped you a lot. Oh, yes. 100%. What's some of the best advice that he has given you? Uh, I guess the best, the best one that definitely I have used in the last 13 years of owning my own business is, you know, I can only offer customers three things price, quality, and service, right? And you can only choose two. Mm -hmm. And so uh, back in the day after the diamond life that my dad spent most of his early career doing, he got into computers and then we owned some computer stores in Southern California. And so a lot of that, you know, was that, that's where I learned how to build computers. I learned how to do customer service. I worked in the computer store every Saturday. Um, and I guess just his work ethic, watching him literally wake up six in the morning, go to work, come home seven at night. He drove to LA hour and a half each way every day for 15 years. Um, wow. He and my mom, I have to give my mom credit. They've been married a very, very long time. Uh, and together they've done an amazing job by providing my brothers and I what we've needed. And one of those things was A, making a decision to leave their family and friends in South Africa and make a new life for us in the United States. Um, and then watch my dad basically grow an entire business from nothing and not knowing anybody. And again, I know this is hard to imagine, no internet, no cell phones, no social media, you know, just meeting one or two people at a time. And then just watching the way my dad has run his businesses. He's been an entrepreneur my whole life. And he segued from diamonds to computer stores, network computers, um, and then ultimately into kind of IT consulting. And that's where I got more of that entrepreneurial bug from him. And I would go out on jobs with him and, you know, we, we, we put in computers and, and lay lines and wires and cat five. And so just watching him, you know, invoice clients and act, you sort of ask him, why did you do it this way? And, uh, one thing he would always tell me was, you know, anytime you could get 
you know, even a $20 order just to get a company to be able to be on your books so that the next time they want to order, you don't have to set them up. You could just accept the order and go. And so that's really helped me in the last 13 years of running my own business and some of those nuances of being an entrepreneur uh, and not having, you know, a bunch of people to do all the different things that you need to do as an entrepreneur. I imagine that works both ways too. And that once you're a preferred vendor, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll try them again. Exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah. 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 Anything to, to, I mean, it still comes down to capturing attention, right? I'm even doing it in the sense of somebody's already been referred to us to help them and support them. And, you know, now I'm, I'm kind of doing everything that I can to make sure that, you know, we're, uh, Alamari and Brian Lifshitz are, are kind of, uh, living rent free in your head. So when people start saying, hey, Oh, amazing brand, we love what you're doing. Uh, do you know anybody creative immediately they're thinking of me? And I guess I should say it's worked because for 13 years, I've never actually advertised my own business anywhere. Everything has been word of mouth and referrals. And still to this day, even through the pandemic, we got hit pretty hard. We sustained, we're growing, we're trying to add some, not trying, we are adding employees, we are scaling. And, you know, that's the conversations that we're having is how can we take what we're doing successfully and helping others uh, expand their awareness about their brand? What were some of the early problems that you faced when you started Alamari Media? Uh, what I see still happening today with a lot of people, and I'm guilty of it every once in a while because you get excited. It's this, this, uh, machine gun approach to telling people what you do. And what I mean by that is we've all understood, you know, they, they everybody talks about, um, have a niche, right? If you have a niche, you have a much better opportunity to get your point and your message and potentially the sale. Uh, whereas if you're just trying to please everybody, then you're basically pleasing nobody. And so that niche, when I first marketed my company, uh, when I was doing network marketing and talking to people, and you know, they'd say, hey, who are you? What do you do? And I'm, I'm like, I'm in marketing. And then I would tell them I do everything, right? I, I do everything. What, whatever you need, I'll do. And the reality is I don't, I don't do websites and I don't do social media and I don't do photography and I don't do videography. And so at the end of the day, you know, uh, even though I told people, yes, I do these things, then of course they would always ask me and want me to do the thing at the bottom of my list, the thing that I didn't really want to do, mm-hmm. but it was kind of my net to catch the opportunity. Uh, and websites, you know, 13 years ago, obviously still a big player. It's something everybody needed and what everybody was talking about even more so, or kind of like social media is today. So for me, it was, I offer everything and, and I realize now, Hey, that's not the best choice. And so the lesson learned is, we're all about branding, right? And we're all about drawing attention to your brand. That's what Alamari does. That's who we are. And if we can work with you and consult and figure out creative ideas that will draw attention to your brand, big, small, whatever, that's what we do. And the funny thing is, as I've done a better job of niching, I'm getting better clients, better opportunities, getting to work with the people that I want. And, uh, and I'm not kind of going, oh, I shouldn't have accepted that job type of thing. So that's something still today when I'm out marketing myself and hearing from other business owners, people kind of have that, uh, freebie for everybody listening. We have that thinking that everybody has to hear everything that I do right here, right now. 
But I promise you, if we flip the roles and I told you about everything that I do right now, you would not hear half of the things that I say because you're you're thinking about your next podcast and what you're going to have for dinner later and you know what time you got to go to the gym and all the other things going on in your life. So um, that is something that I think is super important. When you can niche down what you need to do, you will be a thousand times better and more successful. Now, have you found yourself niching down to a specific industry or are there specific industries that are more apt to come to you? You know, I've been trying to work on that and the answer is not really. Um, Meaning that for us to be passionate about working with our, um, our, our collaborators, you know, our customers, our clients, we like to collaborate with them. Um, we've got to, we've got to feel, right? We, we've got to have emotion in what they're investing in. They're investing in us. We have to invest back into them. So I've had people come to me as an e-commerce seller. I love working with people that want to bring products to market because it's so much fun. But at the end of the day, if you bring me a product that I have zero interest in and it's not, you know, getting me excited and I can feel my creative juices aren't flowing for you, then I'm going to basically say, look, here's an idea or two. Uh, here's what maybe you, you know, suggestion, but we're not the right fit um, on on the side of who we work with. I mean, we've worked with a lot of professionals, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of um small businesses that don't have big teams, right? Generally, that's where we work with. We work with the owner operators, uh, managers, or the people that owners put in charge to say, hey, uh, you know, we're going to go do an event next week. We need to uh, make sure we're there and we need a tent and a backdrop and a tablecloth and we need to make sure our brand is represented. Then that might be the office manager who we're working with, right? Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it's it's the owner operators and, and, and the business itself doesn't really make a difference. It's the, uh, it's the people within the business. And then, you know, uh, obviously if there's a specific product, like I said, that we can't get into, then we're not going to be as creative as we want to. Um, but we, we've helped a lot. I mean, as I said, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, I'm looking at my board over here. You know, we've got some big, big real estate companies we're working with right now down to commercial and uh, real estate brokers, um, lawyers. I've got a lawyer after 40 years that his passion is chocolate. And so I spent about a year and a half working with him to create a whole chocolate brand revolved around what he wants to do kind of as he retires from the legal world. I was afraid you were going to say something like he was going after the chocolate companies. No, 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 no. (laughs) He grew up on a farm in Iowa. He's he grew up baking. He's grew up with chocolate. He and he's this is his passion, right? Law is what he does for a, a career and makes money. But what he wants to do in the future as he retires is all about chocolate. So you know he's somebody we've worked with. That uh, matter of fact, we're on the third brand for him because I redid his his legal brand first. Then he came to me and said, "I've got this new idea. I want to do this thing." So we redid that. He just came to me four months ago and said, my son, you know, is now in the working world and he wants a personal brand to help him promote what he does. So the three of us got on a call and we had a conversation and figured out, you know, who are you? What do you do? Why do you do what you do? And then let's break it down to make sense of what everything you're saying. So 
sometimes it's just a matter of, I love getting referrals. Give me 30 minutes to chat with you and we'll determine, you know, if we're a right fit or not. Otherwise I'll refer you to somebody. When you first started out and you were Alamari Media, I think you were doing graphic design and probably printing and signage, but were you also doing the product development and creative consulting as well, or did that just sort of evolve? Yeah, that, I think that definitely evolved. Um, I mean, as as we started developing Piggyback Rider more, you know, and, and especially as it became viral and people learned about the product, you know, people started asking questions, but I wasn't quite ready to really give knowledge and advice. I'd give some tidbits, you know, little things here and there. Um, and the same thing with the consulting. It, I, I knew it's something that I always wanted to do. Uh, matter of fact, it, it took me probably eight years to kind of learn uh, or understand what the heck a consultant is, because I would always, I mean, in my corporate life, when we hired consultants, I was like, why, why are we not just doing the work? Why do we have to hire a consultant? Like we're already being paid to do the work. And so that's where uh, in my business uh, professional life, I've been, I've been fortunate enough to be in some communities where there's really great business professionals, consultants. And that's where I get to ask them like, okay, what do you do and how do you do it? And why do you do it that way? And so, you know, over the years, there's been one or two opportunities to consult for people. And over the last maybe four years, that's starting to pick up a lot more because now I really have the knowledge. Now I really have the understanding. We've had so many fun things happen with, with all the different brands I've worked with um, that, you know, there's always something I can add. There's some, there's an idea I've got, I call them visions. Um, I get visions. I kind of go, you know, it comes across my face. Uh, I've got a clear vision. I got to get it out. And, you know, then we talk about it and see if there's something there, but I definitely didn't know any of that. And it's something that I'm, I'm even continuing to hone uh, today to, to, to be better, a better consultant and, and help brand owners be seen, be heard, and, you know, ultimately be remembered. I was going to ask, how are people ultimately finding Alamari Media, but mainly through word of mouth and referral, it sounds like? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I just hired a, a young guy about a year and a half ago, and I've been training him to learn everything that I know because he wants to understand marketing. Um, and I said to him, hey, we need a better presence online, like our Instagram and Facebook. Again, I don't really do that. I've got them. Uh, I post, you know, very, very infrequently. Um, but I said to him, hey, this is where you can help us. Let's build up our social media following as well as what we've been able to accomplish with Piggyback Rider. Uh, you know, we work with a ton of influencers through there. And that's where we've gotten this understanding of how to bring brands, bring brands attention. So working with uh, with my employee to do this, this is where we're starting to gear up and, and do more. We're doing more outreach. We are posting more. Uh, we're looking to get into TikTok. Um, you know, my, my team is pressuring me to start doing kind of CEO founder videos, you know, because they're always telling me people want to hear what you have to say. Even, you know, you talk too much and I, and I love talking, not a problem, but putting together some of these sound bites of, of the reality check, right? Like I live in this real world where you know, we all watch TV commercials and when you're done watching it, you scratch your head and you're like, who approved that? Who was in the room that everybody said they everybody looked around and raised their hand and said, yeah, I agree. That's what that should be, because the audience were scratching our heads saying, I don't get it. What, what was the intent, the purpose? Um, and so 
you know, that's ultimately what it comes down to. It's, it's the why, right? Why do you do what you do? So, um, yeah, that's it. So when somebody discovers Alamari media, they come in, they talk with you, they may be a fledgling company. They want to start, or they have a product, but they want to build their brand. Mm -hmm. What kind of budget do they need? And what kind of, and, and by budget, I'm talking both time and, and money and, you know, material as well. Sure. I, I like to approach what I do a little differently. I, I really, and maybe it's wrong, but that's probably why I stick kind of in that small business uh, world, entrepreneurs and, and um, inventors, because I really care. At the end of the day, I would still give away all of my knowledge and information if, you know, I had a bucket full of money that constantly refilled itself. So to my own detriment, I love, love, love helping people bring their stuff to market. So with that, every single project is different, meaning that we have people coming to us. I have somebody I'm working with right now um, who we had some conversations and she said, look, you know, we've been around for, I think, two years. Our product is out there, what we do, but like, nope, we're, we're not engaging with anybody right? Nobody is kind of sharing our stuff. Nobody's talking about us. And so that's where we're having that conversation to say, all right, well, let's go back and do a brand audit. Let me go back and review what you've been doing. And let me put my thumb on it to say, well, I wouldn't like any of these posts either because there's nothing that engages me. There's nothing that resonates with me. You know, you're showing me a picture of something that's complete and done, but I don't know what's happening here. Right? So the budget's I mean, reality, you know, as low as 2,500 bucks, if you're looking for, you know, consulting and brand audit, um, but they can go upwards of $10,000 or more, depending on if you want us to come in and like build a whole brand for you. Um, and so why I say this is a lot of our clients are kind of on the smaller side. Um, you know, they're kind of coming out of corporate life and starting a new business um, or maybe they're splitting from a partner uh, and, and doing something new and different. Maybe they bought into a new business. And so now they're coming to us to say, I want to make it my business, right? Obviously, if it's not a franchise, that's not what I'm talking about because the franchises, they can't really make it their business. But, you know, however we can make it theirs. So um, when, they, when you come in and talk to us, it's all about a conversation first. You know, generally, I like to have at least a 30 minute conversation with everybody to get to know you. So I can at least say, look, let's not have any more conversations. This is not worth either of our time or, Hey, I'm not the right person. Let me refer you or, Oh my God, I want to work with you. And here are all the crazy ideas I have, but let's take it slow, right? If you don't want to spend $10,000 a month and make it all happen today, then let's spread it out. And over the next four to six months, you know, we'll do something every month. Um, and that's the way to break it down a little bit. And I think the, the, I come to, I come to the, the, the table with this understanding of being an owner operator, right? I've got my own brands as well as I'm helping people with their brands. And I think that's where the last three people I talked to, they said, Brian, you're down to earth. You just, you're so relaxed. You don't talk to me. You don't talk down to me. You're, you're telling me exactly the things I need to understand. And here's a great example. Okay. Why I can't answer these questions, somebody comes to me and says, hey, here's my product. We've already developed the product. We want you to uh, help promote it. 
so it can be seen and purchased. And I say, okay, great. But food for thought, your product's really big, right? And right now to ship it, what are you shipping it in? And how big is the box coming in? And all of these nuances. And so I, you know, I'd educate them because as being an e-commerce seller myself, I would say, um, you know, look at your packaging. And if you can reduce the packaging, you could actually save a ton of money by taking. So here's stuff people may not want to know, but on Amazon, if you saw on Amazon, they have a computer machine that scans uh, your product when it comes into their warehouse to determine how big it is. And if, um, if your product is 11 by 17, but you have like a quarter inch of packaging. So the plastic bag that it comes in is a quarter inch bigger on, on one side. And there's that little flap that you didn't fold over and tape down. Then Amazon will charge you for an 11, uh, 11 and a half by 17 instead of the 1117. What does that mean? That could kick you up another $1.50 in fees when Amazon sends out your products. A lot of people don't know that. They're just creating products and they're putting it into whatever package they want to put it in, or they're putting it in whatever the manufacturer says is easiest for them. What I'm coming to them and saying, hey, just food for thought, if we're going to work with you to design your packaging, my recommendation is let's look at your product before we even get to the packaging, because if we can reduce it and save you money on fees, right? What do most people do with packaging? We're tearing it open. We're throwing it away anyway, mm-hmm. right? And if you don't have an expensive product, people don't ex- expect expensive packaging. Thus, these little mistakes cause a lot of headache and a lot of money. So that's where some of the, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier, my knowledge is so vast when it comes to e-commerce and Amazon and some of these nuances that when we talk about branding and somebody says, Hey, here's my widget. I want to sell it. Help me create packaging and all of that. You know, I would say, well, what sort of help do you need? Do you literally just want us to design a template, create it? Cause we understand e-commerce and what has to happen with barcodes and labeling and all of that. Or do you want to sit down and have a conversation about it? So you understand why we're doing what we're doing because my piggyback rider product, um, we packaged it in a plastic bag. The bar that the kid stands on is metal. So that's the heaviest part in there. We ship it in a poly bag. Well, what we would find, and, and I actually found this out because I was the guy that was receiving the product like five years ago into the warehouse and I physically was taking it in and checking it in. And this was allowing me to learn about my own product of what people were doing with it, how it was being sent back to me. But in some of the cases, what I found was the metal bar being so heavy that when UPS or FedEx or UPS dropped it on people's doorsteps, it popped through the packaging, right? And immediately people would then call us and say, hey, this packaging looks open or whatever. I'm not accepting it. I want a new one. And of course, that would cause headache. So because we were monitoring our own returns, I was able to make that change. You know, that's the type of thing that I bring to the table when we're talking about packaging is, hey, uh, when we're creating this packaging, how are you shipping it again? Right. Let's make sure that once you've done all the effort in marketing and the sales and you got people's money and now you ship their product that you don't really you don't hear from them again. Right. Other than when they want to reorder or come back and buy another product. But if they call back and say, 
hey, I didn't, you know, the box was open or something happened. Now it's a headache. So okay. this was a budget talk. It's, it's, it's about conversation, right? I mean, minimum, you're looking at 2,500 bucks to, to do stuff. Um, and, and the sky is the limit. You know, a lot of people want to spread their, their dollars out. Where I work with all of my owner operators and, and, our, and our collaborators, clients, is I say, hey, who do you have available on your team? What can you do a part of the process? So when we're doing like a new brand, you know, we'll work with the team to say, here's some homework you've got to go do. And if you go do some of this homework, well, then I don't have to charge you for the time for us to kind of go do the homework. As well as if I don't have to spend time asking you these questions, you can basically answer these questions and and give us feedback ahead of time, then that will save you money. So all of that goes into consideration on everything we do. We, I don't have price lists. Um, you know, we, we have an hourly rate and we kind of base everything off of that. Um, but ultimately, business owners want to know exactly how much something is going to cost, specifically if it's reoccurring. You know, am I paying $5,000 every month? And again, going back to my father, something he taught me, you want to be happy. You want your customers to be happy writing that check every month and not holding the check for three, four, five more days because they're not sure what you're really doing for them, right? You want them to, as soon as that invoice comes in, they pay the bill because they're so happy, right? They, they, can, they know exactly what you're doing. What are some of the more interesting um, brands that you've helped develop? And you don't have to name names, but what are some of the interesting stories or that you could talk about? One of the the, the best brands I did, and I got to give a shout out to, to Adrian Hart of Modescapes Interior Design here in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, her and I have been friends for, I don't know, eight or 10 years and we both kind of grew our businesses together and she's a designer, she's a creative. And she came to me and finally said, Hey, I want you to help me create my brand. I want you to rebrand me. You know, I'm finally, I know who I am and the rest is, is history. And so she, she and I worked together for about a month and we both agreed when we were done with the, the brand that it was like a Friday. And she said, all right, let me think about it. Let me think about it over the weekend. And she called me on Sunday night crying and she said, Hey, this is it. And I said, what are we talking about again? And she said, I, I I'm settled on the design. I love it. Let's make it happen. And she's like, I just, every time I look at it, I, it's me. Uh, I see all the elements that are me. It's perfect. I love it. I love it. I've been crying. And she said, Brian, honestly, she said, this was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. And we both agreed because we're both creatives you know, it was like we were kind of fighting with each other, but not really, you know, but when I work with non-creatives, they tend to kind of say, all right, if that's what you think, then I'll do it. And I'm like, well, but what's your opinion? You're the person that has to market and promote your business. And so I always think about her, you know, when, when we talk about brands and when I do brands and, you know, I want people to love their brand that they get so emotional about it. So those are some memorable uh, brands and times that I can uh, remember. That's got to be very satisfying to have helped your friend and to help other people to focus on their brands and to better themselves, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? It's the concise understanding of who you are, 
so other people can understand who you are, right? Because mm-hmm. our intelligence levels aren't all the same. Our comprehension levels aren't all the same. And for that matter, we've learned it with social media. We now know if you can't capture somebody's attention in three seconds, you better move on, right? Yeah. And so now it's trying to work to that attention span is what I'm trying to figure out. What provides you inspiration when you're either doing graphic design, designing a new product, helping somebody with a brand? What provides me inspiration? It, you know what? I, I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, I, I get these visions, you know, sometimes I kind of just close my eyes or even if my eyes are open, I almost see graphics. I'm a visual communicator. I, everything in my life is visual. Mm-hmm. Whether my eyes are open or closed, I suppose, and I can see it right now, it's the same way somebody would storyboard a movie or a TV show or a commercial, right? We have to understand what's happening. And so that's the way it is for me. It's, it's kind of that, that visual communication idea. Um, and, and that's really what I work with, as well as being a graphic artist, oftentimes, um, what do I, how do I want to say this mistakes in the way the computer almost um, I'm working faster than the computer sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so the way that <clears throat> the image is fuzzy or some sort of weird technical thing happens with the computer, like a glitch and I, and I catch it before, let's say it goes away. And I'm like, Whoa, that looked really cool. Like, what was that? Let me go back and figure out, let me, let me see if I can recreate that. And so, you know, that happens often when I, it's unintended, con, not consequences, excuse me, it's unintended actions. And when I'm creating what I'm doing, that it's, again, get a little vision of uh, while I'm designing something, ooh, let me quickly create another design off to the side. And I suppose uh, that's where I'm not an, a, an artist with a, a pen and a pad because I like the idea of undoing things, right? Being able to go back. And I like the idea in my in, in my design programs to when I'm working and playing, I can just take everything I'm doing and copy it over right next to it and quickly tweak something to see if that idea works. And if it doesn't, I can scratch it, delete it, and move on. Okay. Um, other than that, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, what I get is from what big brands are doing. You know, what what the big brands around the world, they're the ones that are spending billions of dollars on marketing. So, you know, that's why I tell our clients, well, let's, let's see what they're doing and let's figure out how we can mimic, I like to call it ethically swipe that idea, right? We're not stealing their idea. We're, Hey, look, there's a commercial where they're talking about this and they have a family doing that. We could replace whatever that product or service is and essentially do the same thing for your business on a much smaller scale and feed it out to your audience, right? So some of that and the internet. I mean, you know, we have access to Google. I'm a Google guy. You know, when I need to see something, I go to Google and I type it in and I look at the first page and kind of just start scrolling. And it's very much like people's Pinterest boards, Mm -hmm. right? It's this this way of getting ideas and you're kind of seeing what other people are doing because a lot of times you want to make sure you're not doing the same thing. You know, there's there's a lot of most stuff has been done. um, And so that's that's where I get inspiration from. How do your ideas flow to you and how do you capture them for later? And I'm talking, it could be ideas for design or it could be a design idea for a, pro, a new product. I, I'm the guy that 
if, if some idea comes through my head, I got to write it down immediately um, because I'll think too hard on it. And by the time I'm thinking on it, I kind of have already forgotten what I was doing. And then I'm thinking about 19 other angles off of that one. Uh, if you could see my office right now, I've got post-it notes everywhere. Um, I've got, you know, I actually just like to grab copy paper, blank copy paper, and I'm folding it in half and kind of writing and sketching and doing. Um, but ultimately my cell phone and applications like Slack, Google notes are two big ones that I use. Um, and I've got like Slack channels that are only my channel that my team doesn't see. And it's basically called Brian's Bright Ideas. And when I get an idea, like literally my wife and I were talking last night. Um, and, and I can't say what we were talking about, but it was really, really funny. And she said something and I said, oh, my God, that should be a part of my comedy. Right. One day I'm going to do a comedy routine. I've been writing jokes for 10 years. Right. And eventually I'll have enough to do like 10 minutes. Um, but it was one of those that. I did something, she did something, I did something. And then what she did kind of closed the joke. And I was like, oh my God, I got to write that down. And so I immediately got into Slack and was like trying to write down what happened in order to make sure when I go back and read it later, I actually understand it and can rewrite it into something and then actually put it into my comedy notes. Okay. That's something that I, I think I do a, a poor job of. I've got, I do have a lot of, uh, post-it notes. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll use notebook paper. I'll use copy paper, like you said, but the actual storing it somewhere and reviewing it is what yeah. kills me. You know, I, I've during this pandemic, I've actually switched a lot more over to Google products, mm -hmm. um, Google docs, Google sheets and Google notes. And the reason I do that is it allows my team and I, without saving files anywhere, um, because I hate doing stuff twice. I hate having duplicates of, you know, my team's got a file and I've got a file, but then they updated their file and then I got to save it back on my drive. And so I've, I've been getting my team to say, look, let's all work in Google. It's accessible from our cell phones. We all work somewhat remotely. And that allows us wherever we go, wherever we're at, right, we can write it down. And I, and I, you know, essentially tell my team, look, part of working here is you got to be creative 24, seven, 365. You know, I, I'm not asking you to work, but if you get great ideas while you're fishing, while you're bowling, you're at a concert, write it down. Like, let's utilize that. The Google notes, uh, have been phenomenal because it allows us to kind of sort everything. Uh, the Google docs have been great because it's allowed I'm actually using it now as, as kind of my mind dump, as well as I accidentally realized that there is an, an add-on in Google Docs called voice typing, right? Which basically you just click the button and I've actually interviewed my father. I'm in the process of interviewing my father about his life and I have Google Docs open and I have that thing going and it's picking up what he's saying while I'm listening. I'm also taking some notes at the same time. So I do that for myself where I'll open up Google Docs and, you know, the, the workshop that, that we're doing right now, that's something that, you know, I didn't know how we were doing and what we we're doing. And so I was basically just talking into Google, all of my ideas and thoughts, and then it's, it, it's way better than writing them down. You click stop, then you go back, you take a break, you come back next day or whatever, 
and you edit it, right? And now that document, now I share it with my team. And now we've got this live doc that I literally didn't really even type anything. So it's, it's very quick. Um, and the last thing that I'll say is uh, voice to text, obviously from the cell phone. That's why I try to do a lot from my phone because I've got the ability in all of these applications to do voice to text. Um, and, and generally I can get it out a lot quicker without making a mistake, uh, voice to text, but, um, yeah, the Google docs, I'm a proponent of them. That's what helps us. Yeah. I'm not, I wasn't aware of Google notes. I'll have to look that up. You know, Google's got so many products that most of us don't know about any of them. Um, and I, I have to thank my brother for Google notes. That's something that he was using. I was using Evernote. Mm-hmm. And then I just kind of found that it just wasn't as easy. Um, you know, I don't know. I've got all the Google tabs up so I can click it. Google Notes is right here on the home screen of my phone. Mm-hmm. So if I'm looking for some sort of a uh, uh, information, if somebody needs to know our, our sales tax number for the business, right? It's very accessible. It's very easy. Um, you know, obviously things like passwords and stuff, you don't want to put it in there. Right. Um, you want to lock that up. But you know, it's all about ease of use. So the whole team can get access very quickly, very easily, and we can communicate in our own environments really. And that's what I, you know, that's what I like. I like being able to do it that way. Let's talk about your workshop that you've got. Yes. I believe it was Brian on branding. Other way around branding with Brian. Branding with Brian. Yes. So the, the idea with, with branding with Brian is for the last 13 years in the quote unquote network marketing world that I've been in, I've heard thousands upon thousands of pitches and presentations and commercials, whatever you want to call them, anywhere between 20 seconds and 60 seconds. And oftentimes I don't understand what people are saying because their messaging sucks. They are telling me what they want. They are telling me what they think I want to hear versus what I need to hear. And through other opportunities that allowed me to start seeing this clarity, I went, man, this is really frustrating. And so that's when I started helping people. I would say, hey, you know, you did a good presentation today, but maybe if you change this a little bit, then, you know, maybe it'd be a little bit better. And so that kind of led into to more opportunities, which led into this workshop uh, that we did a few years ago before the pandemic. It was in person. It was a lengthy three-hour workshop, kind of intensive tips and tricks and all that. Well, over the pandemic, we all got online. We got, you know, a lot more people went on Zoom. A lot more small businesses said, oh, look, now I can go do, I can go promote my business. Matter of fact, there were a lot of people that had side businesses or got laid off and had to create something new. So now they're looking for networking opportunities. Well, again, when you come into a networking place, unless you've done due diligence of, you know, kind of what to expect, people just kind of, again, say what they think needs to be said, but it doesn't resonate. And I saw it when in some of my other organizations and communities, when members came to me and said, I don't think I'm going to renew my membership. And I'd say, why? I'm not getting enough work. Why? And I would say, well, maybe your messaging sucks. Maybe people don't understand what you're saying and maybe you need to meet more people. So what what we ended up doing is we converted the workshop in person three hours to virtual on Zoom in just a little over an hour. And the idea behind it is 
very much like an athlete doesn't come to the playing field and starts playing, right? You don't come to the Super Bowl and start playing football. Uh, you don't come to the NBA championships and just start playing some b-ball. You get, you've been practicing. Obviously, you've been practicing all season, but you even practiced the day before or the day of that game. Well, what I'm finding is, and, and the truth is when people won't say it out loud, but when I do one-on-ones, they don't prepare and they don't practice. Business owners do not practice what they're going to say at these events when they're given an opportunity to speak about their business. And so I say to them, well, that's stupid because now you're wasting not only your time, but my time and probably some of your money and you're going to get nothing out of this. So branding with Brian is the practice field. This is where business owners and entrepreneurs get to come and practice presenting to a group of peers that essentially like when I went through art school and all of our art had to be critiqued. Well, this real world, real time, real live feedback right then and there in the meeting of what are people understanding about, again, who you are, what you do and what you say. And then it becomes a bit of a mastermind workshop of let's help this individual. Uh, the workshop we just had yesterday, there was an individual, she's here in Phoenix, uh, maybe Glendale. She sells cakes. She's got a phenomenal tagline. The tagline we've heard before I roll over. It's so funny. It's such a great tagline, but I've heard her not say it for the last couple of months. And I don't know why. And so she came to the workshop and, you know, she workshopped it a little bit and the consensus in the group was she should bring it back because everybody loved it. And what she was worried about is she was worried about this tagline was offending people. And I said, well, but it's what you like. And I'm not offended by it. And here are five other people saying they're not offended by it. And I've heard everybody in the room laugh when you talk about this. And so we gave her this peace of mind in this meeting where she actually shed a tear for a moment and said, I literally was not going to use this anymore because whoever else she was talking to said, it's not politically correct. It's not right. You shouldn't do it. You're going to make enemies. And I say, BS, do it right? She's got ways of, of, of making sure that it's not over the edge or over the top. And so that was one of these aha moments for her that she kind of was able to say, huh, I'm actually getting real feedback right now from real human beings that love what I'm saying. And so now she's able to leave the meeting. And now she, you know, when she goes to present in the future, she knows she's going to nail it. And this, this humorous tagline is actually going to work for her even if somebody's offended, they're going to talk to her because they're going to go, you know what? I was offended by that. And then she should say, yeah, you know what? Let me send you a cake, right? Let me send you a piece of cake or something and build that relationship. So branding with Brian is the place to come practice. It's the place where we will help you be specific to be terrific about your messaging, about who you are, what you do and why you do it. And so when you go to the playing field, you're going to hit it out of the park. Everybody's going to get you and you're going to be able to move forward, build, you know, lastful relationships and, and great collaborations and ultimately get that cash. Okay. Specific to be terrific. I didn't uh, coin it. So if somebody out there is listening, it's not my phrase. I didn't coin it, but it's one that I love because it makes such sense in what we're talking about. Um, and, and in that messaging, when you have a broad message, 
again, you know, that's where you're not going to get any engagement. But if you're very specific, hey, you know, I'm I'm looking for Greg, you know, of the entrepreneur, you know, podcast, then I can go, hey, I was on that podcast. I know him. Let me introduce you to him, you know, versus saying, do you know someone who has a podcast? Well, um, yeah, I know like a thousand people who have podcasts, right? So what does that do for me? I stop thinking about you immediately. But if this other person who said, do you know Greg from the Entrepreneur 40 you know, podcast, I can be like, oh my God, I know that person. Here's the referral, right? Very specific and everybody's happy. Now you mentioned the word resonate several times. How can somebody resonate? How can they develop a brand that resonates with the consumer? Well, you have to understand uh, the consumer. You have to understand kind of the need behind it. Um, you know, wh- why did you, why are you doing this product? Why are you doing this service? Um, you know, if you, if you go back in time and you look at a lot of kind of what people would say, that's silly. And I can't believe you, you know, you did it. There was the pet rock, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sure some, you know, plenty of people turned down that individual. Uh, and ultimately the pet rock went somewhere. So, yeah, I th- you know, I threw mine through a window. Exactly. So when you want to resonate, it's a, it's uh, the way that I liken it, social media. Okay. When somebody posts something on social media, it comes across your feed. You have the option to like it, comment, or share. And each one of those three things has kind of a different level of engagement, in my opinion. Uh, obviously liking, you know, I agree with what Greg is saying. Commenting is I agree more or less just based on what the comment is, but knowing that my community is going to see both of these things that I do. And then ultimately sharing is that, you know, I'm really distributing Greg's content to my whole community, which means I've blessed whatever it is that, you know, Greg has said. So what resonates is like my viral video within a day that got 10 million views, right there that resonated with all of these people because uh, one way or another, they either loved us or hated us. And, we were told both. So to resonate, you know, sometimes you know, talk about it in PR, you know, all P- all P- press is good press, good or bad. Um, you know, y- you want to be politically correct to the best of your ability and not hurt people's feelings. But also if you want to hurt people's feelings because you don't care, well, then you have the right to do that. It's your business. And just know that, you know, you might not get all of the clients and opportunities that you want, but resonating I think it also, it comes down to making sure you know your audience, right? You, you, you know who you're attracting, you know what they want. So when you put out a message that says jump, everybody on your list says how high, right? And then you know that you're resonating. There are plenty of brands out there. If you go through social, they have a million followers. Go on their Instagram page. They got a million followers, but then go average out the last 10 posts right? And look at how many likes maybe each of those posts have divided. Um, and you can kind of get what's called the engagement rate. And, and, and that percentage actually tells you, even though they've got a million followers, they have less than 1% of engagement of those followers, which means their followers don't give two diddlies of what they say. But if you have somebody who's got 5,000 followers and every on the and the average of the last 10 posts you have a thousand people liking right or even a you know whatever the numbers i'm not a mathematician let's say even 100 people you know that percentage is probably a much greater 
uh, engagement rate than of the million. But mm-hmm. of course, we all get excited. I did this as well. I made the mistake. I paid somebody 1500 bucks to promote, you know, on a Facebook page that had a million followers and it didn't do anything for us. And I went over to another one that was much more engaging with their audience. She had 250,000 followers on Instagram. She didn't charge me a dime. We gave her one of our products and we sold a bunch and we got visibility, right? And it all resonated with people because it was the right in audience, the right engagement. So that's where you could kind of look and say, if I want to see what works, go to your favorite pages and see what's happening. And, and if you can see that people are liking, commenting and sharing on almost everything that's happening with that brand, then try to look at it and say, well, I wonder what's happening here. Are they doing some good storytelling? Are they asking a lot of questions? Are they being funny? Are they educational? Right? If it's the same crap every day, all day, right? Then your audience goes down, your engagement goes down and it's not going to resonate. So, um, you know, look to what's happening out there already and do some of your own analysis, right? So when you come to the table, whether you're working with us or anybody else, you have a good understanding of your opportunity so that if somebody comes to you with a 5,000 versus a million, you can actually make a good decision. If anybody out there wants to talk about influencer marketing, if you have a product, happy to chat. That's, that's how we, a lot of our marketing for Piggyback Writer, uh, you know, we scour the internet for influencers and they're called nano and micro influencers, meaning that they're generally about uh, 50,000 followers and less, but most of them are about 25,000 and less. And we get phenomenal, phenomenal engagement. Um, we just had a TikToker. Uh, we're starting to get into TikTok and, and blow that up. But one of our videos on TikTok, we worked with an influencer. I believe now it's got over, I think, 150,000, 200,000 views. And again, we're engaging with her audience. I think she has 200,000 followers on Instagram or excuse me, on TikTok. So, um, you know, we're utilizing her community, her audience, right? And she needs us because we have the product. And so now she's able to make more content. And and that's something that I want to make a point. That's where we flourish here is trying to set people up with this idea to say, hey, influencer, you need content because you're boring after a while. So let's work with these brands over here and collaborate. And now you can push your kid in a stroller you can carry them in a piggyback rider. You can wear this apparel. And now you can talk about it on your channels and get more engagement. I was just getting ready to ask what the best way for someone to contact you with or to check you out. Yeah. Um, you know, as long as you can spell my name, Brian with a Y and Lifshits, you all heard that correctly. Uh, you can find me all over the web. I'm on LinkedIn. If you want to reach me there, that's where a lot of business professionals and I chat. Uh, you can reach out through Facebook. Not really on Instagram, um, but ultimately, you know, email Brian at alamarimedia.com. Or if you are interested in learning more about the workshops and want to uh, expand on your messaging and do a better job, um, we try to make it easy, but that's uh, buy tickets, period, at, so at forward slash alamarimedia. So buy tickets dot letters at forward slash alamari media um and you know just search for me online one way or another you'll find me okay what's the number one piece of advice that you can give for our listeners brian 
Um, you know, this something that it's kind of like the implement imperfectly. I don't know if I said that yet today, but it's the understanding of uh, my wife brought me one very similar version done is better, better than version none. And, you know, some people refer to the 80 20 rule. I'm a perfectionist and sometimes stuff doesn't get done because I want it to be perfect. And I think we live in a world where things aren't perfect. And even though we want them to be, they're not. So just know that things don't have to be perfect. Get it out. Get people to know about what's going on. You can always modify and update and change. It's, you know, you're not a big corporation. So, you know, ultimately implement imperfectly uh, in order to uh, move forward. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you, Ryan, for being a guest on Entrepreneurs Over 40. If you'd like to leave feedback on this episode or suggest a guest, you can reach me at eo40show at gmail.com. That's eo40show at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss it or any other episodes. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneurs Over 40. Check us out at entrepreneursover40.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast directory.